Welcome to the Modern Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Giordani. Today, I have a very special guest with me today, a construction background, ADU, development, investment, all the above, my friend, JC. Welcome. Josh, thanks for having me, man. Of course, brother. Yeah, me yeah. too. Long time coming. I know we talked about this actually like three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so glad I was able to get you in before I was leaving for my wedding. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> thanks for squeezing me in. Of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit. I know you from other investment companies, and you've recently branched off and started now three different companies. Mm-hmm. But you and I haven't really had a chance to like connect in terms of like where, like where'd you grow up? How'd you get started? Where construction came from and your evolution of where you're at today? So tell me a little bit about that. So I was born and raised in Central California. Came out here to go to San Diego State to play football. So um, that was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So haven't moved since. I'm still here. Uh, as a kid, I always loved architecture. I wanted mm-hmm. to be an architect as, as a kid. Uh, never happened. Uh, kind of bounced around. Did a couple. Started a couple businesses. Seven, eight years ago, I started a real estate development company with a partner of mine, and we were doing resorts and uh, hotels in Central America. So built, I think it was a total of seven hotels uh, slash resorts mm-hmm. in Costa Rica, Panama, Belize, and the Bahamas. That's right. So I did that for five years. Then I met, I met my wife, and she's like, uh, if this is going to work, you can't be away three weeks out of the month. Uh, so I had to kind of pivot there. Uh, sold my equity in the business uh, and then partnered with uh, Brian Daly. Mm-hmm. Um, we started a real estate investment company and a construction company. Uh, our big focus was flips. We were doing anywhere from eight to 10 on average a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, construction has always been part of like my life. Mm-hmm. My uncle is a contractor in Central California, my dad. Uh, almost became a contractor. He loves construction, built an addition at our house, uh, unpermitted. <laughs> but he, was, he did a good job. Um, so I've always been around it mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, I love construction, but I also love investing sure. and building something from nothing. So mm-hmm. my biggest passion is you know, seeing an old house or a piece of dirt with nothing on it and thinking of creative ways to build uh, a structure there, right? And how to transform the space. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So when we were flipping houses, going into an old house, uh, I love just kind of visualizing what it would look like when the final product was done. When you guys were um, doing the flipping, were you doing the like design aspect of it or were you guys having like a, a third party come out and do the design, moving walls, coming up with the plan, doing all that? Um, yeah, we would, we, we all had a, a role in that. Mm-hmm. Like I would, you know, tell my partners and project managers, hey, let's do this, let's do that, let's mm-hmm. add this design aspect or let's do this to the wall. Uh, but ultimately, we had a designer that would make our vision a reality, right? We sure. With, with Melanie. Melanie, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then eventually, we, we kind of just did it on in-house. Sure. Um, but yeah, Melanie played a big part in what we did. It definitely streamlines the process, right? Going into a flip and like looking at the space or going into a, a project, right, that's like a blank canvas, maybe you need to pull down walls and all you know, whatever it is open up the floor plan however that looks or a bathroom right maybe there's a five bedroom and the master needs to get opened up to make it bigger like sometimes it's hard for me at least not having a construction background to visualize any of that so having melanie is huge yeah melanie has a, an amazing kind of design aspect i love working with her but sometimes from a construction background mm-hmm. you got to understand like okay, that's going to cost too much or right. maybe let's not do that. Let's do this instead. So, but it's good 
having Melanie there or any designer. Mm -hmm. And then if you have a construction background, it allows you to kind of find a happy medium, right? Something that brings value to the property, but at the same time doesn't cost you a lot of money. Sure. So now with your guys' space, I know your big focus has been ADUs. Mm -hmm. So talk me through, are you doing ADUs just for typical homeowners or are you doing ADUs for investors? What is that? Because I know now with like TPA, the transit priority, areas with adding ADUs and doing development stuff is huge mm-hmm. right now yeah. with different zonings. So what is your what is your main focus or what are you seeing the majority of that coming from? So both. So we, we get a lot of uh, clients that are homeowners um, and they want to add a unit or two, right? And then we have a lot of clients that are actual investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say right now the majority are homeowners mm-hmm. that are just adding, you know, one, one ADU in the back or converting their garage. But over the last few months, we're getting a lot of investors, a lot of repeat clients. Mm-hmm. And then we're also doing some of our own stuff as well. So right. a little bit of, of everything. It's interesting because I feel like with average rates in San Diego right now, you're almost able to pull off like the 1% rule with the cost of what the ADUs are costing. Not quite there, but you can get fairly close to that 1% rule with doing you know a studio or a full one bedroom as an ADU. So as an investment for San Diego, it's pretty huge, right? And maybe even other areas. I don't know if a lot of other markets are doing the ADU builds, but with how high rent is and how expensive it is for people to, to buy and the lack of rentals, it makes it a lot easier, more affordable for people to, to build ADUs and then have them rented out. Yeah. I mean, I know a couple of investors that want to add an ADU to their, their investment, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes it might not pencil as a regular flip, sure. but it might pencil if you add an ADU or mm-hmm. if you convert the garage. Uh, so I'm seeing a lot of that now. Um, we're also seeing a lot of opportunity in LA. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, clients and investors that I know in that market that are coming to us now to build something there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it, a lot of flips. A lot of people that I know that are doing flips are, are trying to add ADUs to, to their investment. Are you seeing, and maybe you don't know the answer to this, but are you seeing a typical homeowner using financing in terms of a HELOC or a cash out? Or are they using their own money to build these out? Surprisingly, a lot of them are using their own money. Okay. I was so curious. a lot of homeowners are sitting on, on, on money. Um, I've only had a couple of clients that are getting uh, like an actual loan from a lender mm-hmm. or, um, you know, or a HELOC. Mm-hmm. Most of them are, you know, sitting on money. I don't, if, I don't know if it's on the stock market, wherever it is, or what vehicle they're using, but a lot of them just have cash ready to go. Mm-hmm. So obviously from our standpoint, it makes it a lot easy because we don't have to do construction draws mm-hmm. or wait months until they secure their financing. They're just sitting on money, uh, which makes our job a lot easier. Right. Let's talk about the permitting process. You, ha- you guys have relationships with certain cities and um, municipalities that help you guys maybe push the, the envelope through a little quicker. Are there like, what's the process like? So if, if I'm, if I call you and I'm like, Hey JC, come to my house. I'm looking to, to build an ADU. What can I build here? How big all of that? What would that look like? Yeah. So it depends on the city, right? So city of San Diego is taking a while right now. Um, anywhere from six to eight months, maybe longer. It depends on what you're, you know, what you're doing to the property, how many units you're adding, but other municipalities are taking less time. So Oceanside, Carlsbad, they're typically a little faster than the city of San Diego. But yes, we have relationships with people in the city. We ourselves do not design uh, ADUs. We don't, we don't help clients with the permitting process, only if we absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. So we do have a couple 
of contacts that can potentially, you know, move it through the city faster. Sure. Uh, but we typically don't get involved in that unless we unless we have to. So is it typically an architect who's doing that? So when you're going on the appointment, are you bringing an architect with you once you guys kind of go together with pricing and what it's going to cost and all of that? So we have a couple of design groups or architects mm-hmm. that we send our projects to. So I get I get requests probably two, three times a week. Sure. Clients, friends that, you know, have me go to their house to see uh, how many units they can do and where, and, and they ask me a ton of questions. Sure. Right? So if they, when they're ready, I put them in contact with some of my uh, architects or mm-hmm. design groups, and then they do the permitting process. Gotcha. So they have permit runners, or they outsource that part of the process to companies that just focus on that, because uh, there's companies that all they do is push permits through the city. That's, sure. That's their that's their their business. Right. So what is a typical what is a typical cost for an architect or for someone to get permits to build an ADU? Anywhere from eight to twenty thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah, it, it just depends on what they're building. It depends on uh, the company. Sometimes they do they do a lot of hand holding throughout the whole process. Mm-hmm. So there's companies that do it all for you, and they're the ones that charge fifteen to twenty. But if it's a small one-man architect, one-man, like a small shop, mm-hmm. they'll charge less. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And that would be including permit fees too? Or just the architecture? Just the architecture fees. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So that includes, yeah. So that number includes architectural fees, uh, MEP fees, you know, any kind of soft costs. Mm-hmm. And then the permitting costs is, is separate. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. What um, what are like the most frequently asked questions? Like when you go on an appointment, what are they, what are they always asking you? The ones that stand cost out. Cost per square foot. Of course, That's yeah. That's the first question, yeah. And what are, you, what are you seeing with cost per square foot? I know um, this is rough based on, like, different areas and what yeah, size. So, so for us, I mean, there's companies that have been in the business for 20-plus years that charge $400 or more, even up to $500 a square foot. Mm-hmm. But then there's small companies that charge $250, 275 a square foot. We want to deliver a good experience to the client we you know um, have a process and the client journey map so we are trying to change a perspective that people have when they deal with construction companies because sure. you can talk to anybody and they have a bad story <laughs> right so we we're trying to change that narrative gotcha uh, but at the same time we want to do that without charging them a lot of money mm-hmm. so our our hard costs as a company are relatively low i would say compared mm-hmm. to others uh, but we're also trying to you know provide an affordable cost. Gotcha. So for us, to answer your question, roughly it's 315 a square foot. Okay. That doesn't include any extras that that property might need, like a retaining wall or uh, sometimes clients want a fe- you know, vinyl fence or pavers or any hardscape. So the 315 per square foot is just like the basic cost to build ADU. Right. Um, you and I were talking to switch kind of, well, it's still on a, on the ADU topic development stuff, but you and I were talking when we, when we had coffee the other day about, um, like TPA, the transit, transit priority. I always get that mixed up tongue twister transit priority area. Um, what are some of, um, like the main zoning areas that you, that are like prime time that you're like, Hey, this is, this is gold. This is definitely one that we need to pursue. Like, let's say I was like, Hey JC, here's a property. What kind of zoning would you want to see? So anything in the TPA zone, I jump on right away. Because mm-hmm. uh, depending on the floor to area ratio, you can build multiple units. Sure. So as an investor, developer, I want to add as many units as possible. 
Um, I get sent deals where you can do one to two, and if it's a if it's a good deal, I'll, I'll look at it, I'll consider it. But anything in a TPA zone, um, especially if it has like if it if the base zoning is like RM, you know, multifamily, mm-hmm. um, then that's even better. Mm-hmm. But any property, regardless of the base zoning, if it's in the TPA zone, I look at immediately because there's a high chance that I can add a lot of units to that property. Sure. What are some examples of like some stuff that you guys, I know like last, last year I was looking at one that Brian had that I don't know, were you involved in some of the ones from last year? Yeah. Okay. A lot of those were like RS, uh, three dash seven, right. Or RS one seven. RS one seven. Okay. So I know you guys had, there was like a duplex. I think that I walked that, um, Andrew Greer, did like his little scheduling and you guys could do like 36 units or something crazy like that. Oh, you saw that one on yeah. Imperial Avenue? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So last I heard, I think we were going to add 30 something units. I think they scaled it down to 20 something. Okay. But that was a, I want to say that was RS17 RS and okay. it was in a TPA zone and it was a 7,000 square foot lot, flat lot, which is ideal to build on. Anything that is not flat, you got to, you know, add cost to that sure. for grading and whatnot. Uh, so that, and then it had an alley access. So that property was ideal. And, um, yeah, I didn't invest in that property, but, um, yeah, Brian's moving forward with that. Yeah. I think they're, they're close to breaking ground here soon. Those things are, like, it's just crazy that I just, I just started hearing about this over the last, like, year. But it's been going on. I mean, like, Andrew and I, actually, Andrew was supposed to come after this, but he has a stomach bug um, to record a podcast episode. But he, I mean, he's been doing this, for a long time before mm-hmm. I even knew what the TPA zones were. Yeah. Um, and so all this has been kind of new and refreshing to me where I'm like, that's why when we were talking, I was like, man, this, this shit's badass. Yeah. Like I want to jump full, full on head first and see if we can find one of these where I can do, you know, a big, a bigger project. I don't know about 30 units, but yeah, that's big. Yeah. Um, there's also a new zoning law that passed earlier this year. It's called the SDA mm-hmm. zone. So it's sustainable development area, which is very similar to the to TPA. Mm-hmm. Um, not super duper familiar with it quite yet, okay. but I believe it gives you the same ability to add multiple unlimited ADUs like the TPA zoning does. Interesting. Um, so that was the biggest reason why I decided to start my own company is because that's what I was doing before flips, right? Development right. projects. Right. And that's kind of where my passion is. Sure. Um, I want to, you know, add units to my portfolio. So I don't foresee this ADU kind of space that we're playing in now to be here for a long time. It's always going to be there, but I think eventually the city and the state are going to scale it back. Do you think I, don't like, know, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think, I think it's going to happen eventually. Cause you, I mean, do you think just more regulation will happen or cause right now, I mean like Alfred, he lives in North park. Like you can't find parking in most of those areas, right? Like they're, you're able to build in some of these CPA zones with no parking requirements, even if you're building 20 or 30 units Yeah, and there's no street parking, right? So you're having to walk a long way or go park down the street. So I could see like regulations getting around having to do parking, which will limit the amount of units where things are going to pencil the same way that they used to. But what yeah, do you, yeah, I don't, I just don't foresee this being the way it is for a long time. Sure. I mean, I know the, the city and the state, they're pro ADUs right now. They're trying to kind of, attack the housing shortage. Mm-hmm. But again, once they see that it's starting to be get under control uh, and people start complaining, I mean, you saw SBS 9 didn't pass. Mm-hmm. You know, right. People don't like ADUs. Uh, I'm part of multiple groups on Facebook and um, there's a lot of people that don't want mini dorms or 
mini developments, you know, in on their block, mm-hmm. you know, right next door to their property. So uh, as this takes off even more, I just see a lot of pushback mm-hmm. uh, in the future. So that's the biggest reason why I want to jump on this now mm-hmm. in, in that way. I just see that this, this is a window that's not going to last forever. Sure. Yeah. So are your, is your goals, like what are your, what are your goals for the next few years? Or do you, I know you want to do some of your own projects, um, your own flips, your own investments. What does that, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, luckily right now I have uh, a network and, uh, you know, friends that I've known over the years that are sending me a lot of, a lot of business, right? So the idea is to build fabric. Um, so it's one of the, the big, bigger players when it comes to ADU construction in San, in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to help as many clients as possible, deliver a good product. You know, we're, we're big on doing what is right always. We don't cut corners when we're building ADUs like other, you know, general contractors. So uh, we want to deliver amazing product, uh, well-built ADUs, help the city with the housing crisis. But at the same time, you know, I want to take advantage of this opportunity and do my own development projects and do a flip here and there. I get sent opportunities from time to time. So I want to do uh, you know, a couple flips a year of, of, mm-hmm. my, of my own. And then uh, I have the team to do renovations. So if a friend of mine or, you know, another investor wants to do some or needs help with the renovation for their flip, why not? You know, we have the, the teams and the ability to do that. Uh, but my biggest goal to answer your question is just to add doors to my portfolio. Yeah. That's always been my goal as a kid. Uh, my dad, for a while, had a lot of properties. Uh, my uncle, as well, uh, here in the U.S. and in Mexico. So mm-hmm. I want to be able to, you know, just add doors to my portfolio every year. Are you a dual citizen? No. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. I was like, I, I've been looking to. I would love to buy a place in Cabo eventually. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I was born here. My parents were born in Mexico, but I was I was born born in Central California. Um, I want to get my dual citizenship as well. Yeah, because yeah, you can get like the actual financing there instead of having to do hard money or, or creative stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, I, I want to buy some stuff in mm. Cabo, Cabo uh, Rosarito, mm-hmm. buy the Guadalupe, which yep. is by Ensenada. Yeah, I want to buy something there. Soon. My uh, one of an, a realtor friend of mine, she bought her and her husband, they had the dual citizenship and they bought a place in Vida Guadalupe mm. two, two years ago. And I was just talking to her. I was like, oh, did you, you know, did you finance it? How did that work? And I think she told me, she was like, yeah, we got like a four and a half percent interest rate. And we bought this place in Valle for like 250,000. And I'm like, wait, what? 4% interest rate, 250,000. Where'd you find that? She's like, she's like, I don't know, but we're like crushing it on Airbnb right now. And, um, like their place is rented out all the time. I don't know if that's like a seasonal thing in terms of like after COVID. Cause I know we traveled to Valle a ton during COVID, um, and like even Palm Springs, like our Airbnb in Palm Springs is not doing great. No. So I'm, I'm kind of curious how like some of those other markets like Valle or, or other areas that were like very popular during COVID, how they're going to do maybe coming out like in the next couple of years. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, got I still love it out there, though. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I love wine. My wife's Italian, so she has a glass or two or more a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we love going to Valle. Yeah, yeah. It's just a special place. It is. Man. Yeah. Um, so we go there a lot, and I have a couple of buddies who have Airbnbs in Valle, and then mm. I met, we went like two years ago, mm. stayed, at, stayed at an Airbnb. Uh, the host and I became close friends because I've used her place like four times, mm-hmm. and she tells me she's busy year-round. That's awesome. Uh, even even now. So I want to buy a property there, Airbnb it, use it when we go, but when we're not, Airbnb it. Yeah. 
uh, again, I don't know the data and, sure. and all the analytics, but I heard people are crushing it there. Yeah. Yeah. The did you ever have you ever gone to the food and wine festival there? No, dude, it's badass. You gone? Oh yeah, really? it's so fun. So my uh, one of our good friends has uh, his his fiance has or fiance, yeah, right. Uh, his girlfriend has um, an Instagram for Vi, and she like tons of followers and gets invited out. So we got like VIP passes that they that they just gave us for free. Really? So um, like f- food, like you're just going. All yeah. these chefs from across the country are going there. And people that were on um, like the Food Network and all of those critics are there too, really? so pretty pretty fun. Definitely worth going so if you can go. I don't know. I haven't gone. We went during oh, COVID. Okay. Okay. Dude, I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it was it was honestly one of the funnest experiences we've had because we're big foodies. Both all love yeah. wine, cocktails, and all yeah. that stuff. Food there is incredible. Yeah, the restaurants there are awesome. The, my favorite place to eat, the favorite favorite restaurant that I've been to there, is called Deckman's. Yep, Deckman's Did is you good. Go? Yeah, mm-hmm. dude. Awesome. We went to six in one day. Are you serious? Yeah. Six restaurants in six, a day? Six, six restaurants in one oh day. Oh, my God. Was it part of a tour or no? No. So we just hired a driver. Okay. Um, and it was two, me and the another couple, and we just did wine tasting at a bunch of spots, ordered appetizers at every spot. We went to Animal Loan, Deckman, mm. um, and then had, like, dinner plans basically every night. Uh, but, yeah, I always nice, have man. a great time when we're there. That's the only awesome, thing about man. the wine is it, it definitely – hurts in the morning more more than i think other wines do yeah i know i i uh for a little bit i don't know what was wrong with me but every time i had a glass of wine even if it was half a glass mm-hmm. i would be hungover the next day oh yeah the last six months i've been drinking more mm-hmm. and no hung- i'm not hungover maybe, you, maybe your tolerance is just higher <laughs> now <laughs> yeah could it be yeah who knows um yeah it's definitely definitely a fun spot i uh those areas, uh, I have a buddy who who buys in Cabo too, and his Airbnbs are doing decent there too. Really, but those are—I I don't know if that's like a, that was like a COVID popular destination because Mexico was shut down, fair or fairly shut down. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of people were traveling to like Palm, our Palm Springs place. We finally got it rented out for the second time, but it's it's a high end place, so we were expecting rents to be you know closer to that nine ten thousand dollars a month in terms of Airbnb. And we're getting like maybe six. So I think, you know, with this shift of wherever our economy is going is definitely hitting us a little bit more than what we expected in terms of what we're going to get. But it's also an experience. I I wasn't going to listen to people saying that like the Airbnb market was going to crush. I wanted to experience it myself and kind of figure out if I like Airbnbs. And if I don't, I can always sell it because I bought it as a flip. So, yeah, you had two exit strategies, right? Which is good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to kind of pinpoint why some Airbnbs do well and some don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a 45% owner of an Airbnb in University Heights. Mm-hmm. Or no, I'm sorry, University City. Mm-hmm. And it's not doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a management company who we thought was going to do great, and they did not do a good job. Um, so we're trying to figure out, like, why that was. Mm-hmm. It's in a beautiful location, beautiful house with amazing views, but... Uh, not performing well over the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the last few months, three months, has been doing better. But the last, like, the first year, year and a half, it did not do well at all. We actually lost, lost money. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a partner in another Airbnb in El Cajon, close to, like, Alpine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the middle of nowhere. And we added a ton of amenities. I mean, we have a, a soccer court, like uh, volleyball cool. court, um, pickleball, little putting green, 
bunch of amenities and that one's doing pretty good. I think, I don't know if this is true, but I think the more amenities you have, the better, obviously. Sure. Um, and it's a big house. So, you know, people rent it and have events and baby showers and, you know, all sorts of different gatherings. But that one's doing better. And my assumption is because of the, you know, the various amenities that we have, mm-hmm. whereas the one in the university city doesn't have a lot of amenities. It's a nice house. It's big, but you know, there's only so much you can do there. Right. Yeah. And ours, like we have, it's just an, just a really nice house, but yeah, I mean a pool and like a putting green, but like when you're going to Palm Springs, the problem is too, is that they had all these new regulations where now you can only have uh, 25% occupancy in one specific community. So until you get your license, we're limited to 30 days. So we're doing 30 day rentals. So it's like, we're getting rented out to, uh, people that are like artists. Like the last one was an artist, the new ones, like a family coming in town. So it's just a different demographic. If we were able to rent it out on the weekends and stuff, that's a big difference, right? We're probably getting eight, $900 a night, especially when there's all these events that are always going on out there. So, but like I said, we wanted to experience it for ourselves, And if it doesn't work, we can always go sell it. Yeah. 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 Got a good deal on it. So. Cool. We'll see. Hopefully the market doesn't adjust too much. Awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, we're thinking about going into Palm Springs, so maybe I can use your spot. <laughs> to rent it out actually until February, which oh, is Oh, is it? Thank God. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, good for you. Um, what else do you have going on? I know you have you have a business partner too. How'd you guys how'd you guys connect? How'd you guys meet? Yeah, so Dylan, um, good friend of mine, obviously. Uh, love the guy. I actually met him through a former colleague of mine at one of his birthday parties at his house. Mm-hmm. Um, so we hit it off. He kind of came up to me and was asking me questions about real estate. <clears throat> we ended up talking for like two hours that night. And then I, uh, my former colleague had another party a couple months later. And I saw him there again. And we just kind of stayed in touch ever since. Uh, Dylan has a background in software. He's uh, started a, cu- a few companies of his own. Actually, one of them had uh, was recently acquired by a private equity firm, I think. Oh, nice. For like $100 million, I believe. Holy shit. Uh, so he was like employee number four mm-hmm. uh, in that business. Uh, so he has a background in operations, software, technology. He's really good with people, really good with, uh, you know, uh, systematizing a business. Right. Um, so he's he's kind of the guy running the business on the back end. Nice. Uh, I'm out there trying to find new deals yep. and, you know, doing marketing and finance and all that stuff. But now Dylan and I are, are a great team. That's good. Yeah. yeah, you need you need almost need to be have, like, the opposite sides of the spectrum when it comes to, like, running a business, right? Like, the back end stuff is stuff that I'm not good at at all and so hiring for those roles to make sure those things are getting taken care of well you can go out and do the things that you like to do that you're good at so it's always good to have yeah partnerships that are like that yeah no exactly so i i've always been good at operations and doing the back end stuff um i've always been the number two in the last four businesses that i've been a part of Mm -hmm. um so i thought i was really good at that i mean i still am but dylan is better than me Mm -hmm. at that stuff i mean he's He's so efficient with his time, um, knows how to, you know, focus on the most important things, mm-hmm. doesn't waste any time. So he's, you know, an amazing partner and lucky to have him by my side. That's great, man. Yeah. It's exciting. Anything new that you guys are working on? No, I mean, right now our business is seven months old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're just trying to, you know, systematize it and hire the right people. We have, um, you know, staff uh, and colleagues that are here local, but we also have team members that are uh, in other countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're just, you know, trying to systematize the business. Once we feel like it's kind of running on its own, then we're going to focus on doing our own development projects, doing some flips here and there. Um, but him and I have aspirations of doing other businesses also outside of, uh, you know, 
real estate and construction. Um, the reason why him and I work so well is because we were very aligned in our uh, long-term vision, short-term vision, values. I mean, everything is, is super aligned between him and I. Right now, priority number one is to stabilize the business. Uh, you know, there's thousands of app ADU applications submitted every single year right. in San Diego. And we want to, you know, grab a big, big market yeah. share of that as much as possible. Once we feel like, you know, we've established the business, then I want to start to kind of focus on other things. Yeah. You said seven months, but you also have been doing the same thing for a really long time. So yes, the new, this new venture isn't necessarily new, but your own, which is your baby, which is, which is fun. Yeah. So for anyone listening, he's not new at this. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've, I've, we've, I've been at this for, for a long time. Yeah. So it's luckily enough, a lot of the processes and things that I've had in, in place before and stuff that's in my head, it's easy to implement because I've done it for years. Right. Uh, but with any new business, there's a lot of details and intricacies that yeah. you just got to sort out. Yeah. 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 And as you grow, you're going to find new bottlenecks that you need to solve and and be a problem solver, constantly learning, adapting, evolving. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, I'm trying, I'm not the greatest, to be honest, at delegating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to, Dylan is really good at dele- delegating. So I've naturally been a hard worker and the kind of guy that just says, give it to me, I'll get it done. Sure. Um, so sometimes I'm a bottleneck. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to prevent myself from being that because we have a team now. So, um, every morning Dylan and I get together and we're like, okay, what's, what's on your list? What's on my list? Okay. Let's delegate all these things and focus on the most, most important thing. So, um, that's one of the things I'm trying to get better at. That's good. Um, so luckily we have a good team. Um, and luckily Dylan's there to help me mm-hmm. uh, delegate as much as possible. Yeah. it's awesome. Any, um, like for, for people that are looking to start a new business like what are some things that you remember early on in your career that that you may remember back to of like this is the one thing that really helped me like get my mindset right in terms of going from just working for people to being an entrepreneur that's a good question um you know you only live once life is short and i tell everybody this you know if you have that itch to to do your own thing do it you know because um, I used to work at Qualcomm mm-hmm. and everybody there spends 20 plus years, right? Essentially you end up, you know, spending their whole life there. Uh, but life is short. If you have the, the itch and the desire to do your own company, whether it's, uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever you, whatever it is, right. Sure. Uh, paintings, whatever it is, um, do it. Um, so for me, it, the biggest thing that I would give a, a young entrepreneur is, is test out whatever it is you want to do. Make sure there's a market for that before you just, quit your day job and start a new business, right? Make sure that there's a demand for whatever it is that you want to do. Um, test it in the marketplace before you you quit your day job. Right. Um, I'm a big proponent of uh, the testing your MVP, which is your minimal viable product. Uh, so instead of building out whatever it is that you're doing and spend years of your time, you know, building out that product or service that you want to sell, just test it uh, in a small marketplace, right? Go out and find a, a, a couple friends and tell them your idea and, and see what they think. And then, uh, yeah, just try it out in the marketplace before you go all out. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I think finding the proof of concept is so important. Exactly. Right? And yeah. I think making, like, if you can get to a point, like if someone has a full-time job and you're 
secondary job, let's say is making you $10,000 a month. At that point, you know you have a proof of concept, right? Even 5,000, right? But it has to be something where you can replace your income and then jump all in. Because I think, I think you can be an entrepreneur and have like, I still have a full-time job. And I'm still like buying real estate on the side and have another business. And yeah. my other business makes far more than, than what I make at my full-time job. Yeah. But you can do that still. You'll have the ability to have time. So like for younger, for younger people listening, maybe you're not young. Maybe you, maybe you are older and you want to be an entrepreneur and, and quit your day job. I think, you know, you can still create the time and the effort in the things that you're, that you're doing to create that other business and have that flourish without putting all your eggs in one basket right away. Yeah. Um, but I think showing proof of concept, I know uh, Alfred and I always talk about like making your first $10,000 is your stepping stone to becoming your a 20,000 that turns into 30,000 and then 50,000. Once you can show those proof of concepts, it's to scale to a hundred thousand, you're just hiring more employees and just better systems. Exactly. I mean, even with an established business, right? If you have a new project, a new idea is don't spend months building out a new lead magnet or whatever it is, like, right? Uh, test it right away. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, tweak it as you go, right? If it starts to get traction and you, you know people like it, then continue to improve on it, right? One of the biggest things that I see that entrepreneurs do is they spend months building their website, you know? Just do a quick little landing page, you know, spend a day or a week and then just launch it, right? And then improve on it as you go. It's funny you say that because I think logo design, like yeah. when, when entrepreneurs are starting a new business, they go out and they, they create a logo, they create a website, they create all these business cards. But in reality, go get sales. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Like if it's a sales business or some type of creative, get clients first. You can do all the other stuff later. Yeah. Like you don't need to have business cards. You don't need to have a website. You don't need to have a logo first. But if, I mean, if like for you being experienced and opening up a new venture that's the same as what you've been doing, it makes sense. Branding is important. But in the, in the beginning, if someone has a full-time job, if, if they, if it's part-time thing, they don't need to do all that. They don't need to spend the money. No. So yeah, people spend a lot of money and time on, on a logo and a website. Yeah. Just, just go out there and find clients, find the business. Yeah. Do you believe in, um, like have you ever had a coach or, or a mentor? Yeah. A couple. Okay. That, that you paid for or that? <clears throat> yeah. Well, yeah. One of them I paid for. Another one is just a free mentor yeah, yeah. guy that, uh, I have a relationship with. He likes me. I like him. Yeah. He's an older guy. He's, he's in the same space as, as I am, mm -hmm. but he, he actually loves helping uh, younger entrepreneurs. When did you uh, meet him? Uh, I met him probably five years ago, six okay. years ago. Cool. Yeah, he's a, he started a real estate development company 10 years ago. Uh, he's a developer himself. Mm -hmm. He does you know projects that are 150 units or more. Mm -hmm. uh, he's kind of towards the end of his career, so he loves helping you know young entrepreneurs like myself right uh he's a san diego state alumni very heavily involved with all things san diego state him and i were on the same committee that helped buy the qualcomm mm -hmm. property um and then he's heavily involved right now in the development of of that property so awesome. he, he helped raise money for the stadium and and he's still doing a lot of stuff there nice are you constantly learning new things? Do you call him like weekly or is it I like call him weekly? Yeah. Yeah. He lives in Point Loma. My office is in Point Loma. He's probably two minutes away from my office. So he comes down, we grab coffee probably nice. once every other week. But anytime I have a little hurdle or anything before I, I move forward, I call him, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a, 
seasoned entrepreneur. I've been around the block, you know, but he's he he has a lot more experience than I do. So it's always good to have somebody like that on your side. Mm -hmm. Well, you can just call them real quick and, and bounce an idea off of them. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think we're constantly learning as we, no matter where we are in our oh, journey, yeah. like there's always yeah. new things, new regulations, yeah. new process in your business that you have to, that you have to learn from. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're <clears throat> doing projects that are, that have one or two ADUs up to 10, but this guy's doing 150, 200 units, right. you know, different. so he's, it's a whole different ballgame. So yeah. it's good to have mentors. If I can talk to a young entrepreneur, I would say, find a mentor that has done what you're doing um, and ask them for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help because established entrepreneurs love helping ambitious, young, hungry entrepreneurs. 100% agree. Yeah. 100% agree. I think it's hard when you, some people may, may approach it, like younger people may approach it at the wrong way um, with asking for help or asking for advice. Um, something that I have just realized over the years is like, someone adding value to you first, like, oh, how can I help? Like if, if I wanted you to be my mentor, how can I help you first to where like maybe maybe it was just like doing some stuff, right? Or bringing me a deal or bringing you a deal that then it's like, okay, they're serious. They they really want to pursue this this career or this life. Yeah, um, that's a perfect way to do it. That's um, kind of how I started with, with my mentor. Right. Um, I told him I wanted to get into the development space here locally, even though I already had experience, but I didn't have a lot of experience here in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And I just said, hey, let me let me help you with whatever you need help with. Mm -hmm. And I did, did a couple of things for him here and there on the side. Not a lot, because obviously I had a full-time job, but he saw how hard I work and how much I wanted it. So that kind of allowed him to, or gave him the desire to help me more. Sure. Another quick little example, I have an intern right now that from San Diego State. Mm -hmm. He's on the football team. He's a tight end. Um, his major is construction management. Mm -hmm. The guy reached out to me multiple times on social media. He's like, hey, you know, I, I know you have a construction company. I want to help you. Fast forward a couple of months, called him, and uh, the guy is amazing. Um, and now that he's actually helping us, um, he brings a lot of value to the company and he stole a student at San Diego state and he probably works 10 to 15 hours uh, on the company. Right. But for his age, it, it's uh, amazing and uh, kind of astonishing how helpful he has been to the company in, in a short amount of time. Sure. So I, I told him, I said, Hey, if you keep working hard, you have a clear path to be a big player in this business. That's something that I wish that I did earlier earlier on, like in my, in my, I mean, when I, when we were both younger, I'm 35 in January, 35 in January. Mm -hmm. Um, but we didn't have a ways to learn. Like you can learn now, like with social media and the internet and all this, all these things. So like when I was shadowing, um, like when I first got in the business, I was a realtor, right? So when I was shadowing, you know, people like my dad or other, other agents, they just did things differently than what is done now. So I wish that I maybe was more involved in like the, the, the day-to-day -day stuff or even hired a coach back then to learn, like fast track me into, you know, much further along. Cause I think someone shadowing someone who's, who has experience, they're going to gain so much knowledge, right? They're just going to eat it up. Like when you're there in the office and listening to you talk on the phone and going to projects and walking things and understanding construction and how, how things are done properly. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, back in the day when I was in college, I didn't have the avenues or opportunities that people have now, mm -hmm. right? If you wanted to have an internship, you had to submit your resume and wait for them to call you back. There was a, really wasn't social media back then. Now you can have a direct access to the CEO of the business. That's if he 
ever reaches Respond. out to you or responds right. on social media. But you have LinkedIn nowadays. There's just so many opportunities. If you really want it and you want to land an internship or a job, there's just a lot more ways to, to get that than, than back in the day. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, any, any finishing thoughts? No, just uh, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, you know, I've uh, known you for, I don't know, four plus years, man. And uh, yeah, oh, thanks for reaching out and asking course. me to be on your podcast, man. Of course, brother. Where can everyone find you? Uh, Instagram, uh, JC underscore Mejia. Um, my number, our uh, company website is fabricgroup.com. Fabric is spelled with, uh, uh, with, a, with a K at the end, C and a K. Cool. Uh, but the best way to access me or reach out to me is social media. Awesome. So Instagram, yeah. Cool, bro. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you for everyone who has continued listening or watching. Please don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you guys in the next video.